Welcome, everybody, to the 53rd episode of Chelsea Against the World, the podcast that brings together an American and an Englishman to discuss all things Chelsea Football Club. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm regrettably your host, Simon. <laughs> Hi, Manny. The blues of Monday. The Monday blues. Oh, man. Uh, it's just, you guys, for the listeners out there, we're recording the day after the disappointed cup final um, that we both experienced together at the pub. Yeah. And um, you can just, I mean, see it from our voices. It's uh, one another cup final that we've lost, sixth in a row now, from what I understand. Uh, fourth to Liverpool. Uh, if we, you know, if we're going back to the, you know, one of those Europe, Europe Super, Super Cups in 2019, then the FA Cup of 2022, the Carabao Cup of 2022, and then the Carabao Cup of 2024. Yep, it's quite the run we're on. It's yeah. like the polar opposite of what our Wembley record has been prior to the first final that we competed on this losing streak it's staggering it is it is and i I do want to start off by saying that out of some of the positives i think it was awesome to see the bar packed yesterday Oh, it was amazing it was packed i mean standing room only i think there had to be over 100 people there Mm -hmm. more more than that and uh the tailgate staff were great you know accommodating opening up early for us two hours earlier and had you know three or four extra bar staff out there as well and we're filling beer as quickly as they could and you and I were up front had a nice little seat to see the action um, firsthand and I think it was a tell of I wouldn't say a tell of two halves it was really a tell of you know two different types of games you know during mm-hmm. regulation I thought we looked the better team we had more big opportunities obviously they were all missed opportunities but the opportunities were there and we had Liverpool you know on you know against their backs ending up in the last 20-30 minutes and then you'd think going into extra time given the quote-unquote experience that we have mm-hmm. versus what they were bringing on, that this was a game that we could have won in, in extra time. And it was the complete opposite. So I'll go ahead and start off with, tactically, did you think that we were set up okay in the in, in, during the 90 minutes? No. It's interesting you th- said that you think that we were the better team. I don't. You don't, I think, don't. You don't think we were the better team in no, the first I don't. 90 minutes? No, I think we had the better opportunities to score. I don't think that necessarily means we were the better team all round. I think that if you look, watch the game unfold, I saw very little tactical structure to the way that we were playing, apart from hoofing it long. Mm. Um, and in the first 20, 30 minutes, and listen, I get understanding the cup finals, that it's a kind of feeling out process and it's nervy. Our players look very nervous. Oh, 100%. I won't disagree with that. I think yeah. the first 30, 40 minutes, you saw DeSassi misplace so many passes. Enzo, I don't even know if he had a, you know, a, a pass that was actually on target in the yeah. first 20, 30 minutes, which is surprising given that he played in the biggest stage yeah. world cup final. And so uh, it was just one of the situations that I was sort of surprised based on the complacency and the nervousness that you saw our players. I mean, we were, we were a young team, but I think it comes down and that could probably be a conversation later on the podcast, but I think it just comes down to what, what this ownership wanted. They wanted this youth. They wanted this, you know, sort of perspective outlook on these players without any experience. And that's what we bought and that's what we get. Again, I, I I don't buy the inexperienced stuff anymore. Really, I don't. I think that you've got a point that if you look at the age profile of the team, yes. But we still had some experienced heads out there yesterday. We're not relatively speaking to like Thiago Silva experience or Virgil van Dijk experience, who's you know a, ves- a veteran at this point. But we still had Ben Chilwell was 27 years old now. He's played in a champ- in, played and won in a Champions League final. He was our captain. His role in that, in that game is to make those inexperienced players better. Christopher Nkunku is not an inexperienced player. Yeah, but he, he came on in the I, second I'm, listen, half. I, listen, I'm not blaming Christopher Nkunku. I'm just referencing the experience okay. that we had. 
So if you look at the centre-backs, De Sassi has, was in the French World Cup squad two years ago that got to the final. The goalkeeper's inexperienced. Levi's inexperienced. I get that. Enzo has enough experience now in my mind of playing in big games. Raheem Sterling, he's not inexperienced. And then look at Cole Palmer's, it was arguably our best player yesterday, and I thought Jackson was very good as well. To me, the problems with yesterday did not come down to an experience from our side. It comes down to poor structure, poor structure. I saw a game plan from Liverpool very early on. They, they have an identity in the way that they play. They press high, they get it down the wings, and they hunt, like hunt you down. They hunt you down very, very quickly. Chelsea, I didn't see anything. I the, We created opportunities like later on in the first half. Good move by Jackson for the offside goal. Cole Palmer should have scored from a great save, but he should have scored. If we're talking about opportunities created in the second half, they all came because Liverpool were tiring. Their midfield was tiring. McAllister and Endo, at that point, I think, were flagging a lot. And that's when the opportunities came. I don't think we came from any kind of tactical brilliance that we came... It came from us having more energy in those moments right near the end, and we didn't take a chance. Yeah, but if you look at the way that we set up against Man City, it was kind of the same way we, we were kind of setting up against Liverpool and sort of that counterattack strategy, right? You know Liverpool is going to have possession regardless of who they have on the pitch. Yeah. Regard, and, and that's the way Potch set up. All right, let them hold possession, and if we get a chance, break on the counter. And that's the chances that we had. And so I think tactically setting up, that's how Potch wanted to play it, and that's a, that's a game that we played. And that's what afforded us to have the bigger chances. When I talk about inexperience, I'm talking about the nervousness. Okay. That's what I'm saying about the inexperience. Gusto, you you saw he looked nervous. In he the did, first he 15, grew into minutes. the game, exactly. actually. Exactly, and that's what I'm talking about the first 20 minutes, yeah, how yeah. there was some sort of nervousness. Chilwell, yeah, I, I get that, of course. I, and that's a different conversation. I don't think he should be captain, but that's a conversation no. we can have in a, in a yeah, different yeah. Uh, standpoint. I, what, what I thought, though, with that, that was just damaging from, from my mindset is our subs. I was calling out the subs that needed to happen, and, and that's what happened. But they just they didn't, they didn't bring anything when they came in. And no. Kunku, nothing. Maroeke, nothing. Mudrik, it's like we were playing with a man down mm-hmm. when he came on the pitch. Didn't attack near side goal when he had the possession in the box, and just. It, it just but I, I can't blame Potch because there was nobody else on on the bench to bring in. But he did set up that bench. But I think Madrid did more than Sterling did on the pitch. He got more involved in the game. He did get more involved in the game. I, I saw nothing. Oh, he did a great Sterling. job marking uh, Van Dijk. Listen, he right? should have never been told to. to why is Mikhailo Mudrik? Man marking Virgil Van Dijk. Yeah, that at that, that should be Desassi or Colwell. That's the coach. Yeah. Listen, the substitutions. Like, what is on Pochettino? Mudrik was one of the was the second sub he brought on. Why hasn't he played for four weeks? He hasn't. He's barely played. Why is he? Why are you going to him now? And Kunku, this is what I didn't buy a few months ago when people said, "Oh, don't worry." When Nkunku comes back, it changes everything. No, he's had a very very serious knee injury. And he has not looked up to speed in a new league, again, a high-pressure situation. And he's been asked to play as a lone front yeah. man against Canate and He's, he's not a Van fucking Dijk. target man. He's not a target man When we're just hoofing the ball forward. Yeah. He's like, not a target man. That's not how you get the best out of him. He yeah. should have been brought... Jackson should have been kept on, and Nkunku should have been played on the left. I think, I think once Cole Palmer and Connor Gallagher, or when Gallagher came out the game, even though he had a couple of missed chances, I think that's when we tried to drop the ball... Because even even though he was gassed, he was part of the. He, he was very creative in that midfield, mm-hmm. you know. And I think when he came out the game, I think that's when you saw us just play that four four two an extra time and do fuck all with the ball. 
when we had possession. Listen, I think Gallagher played overall a pretty good game yesterday. However, you can't miss those chances. That's what his liability is. He is not technically sound enough to play in that position, which is exactly what I've said previously. In those moments, you need someone with composure and the ability to make the right decisions in the heat of the moment. With the Kelleher, with the save where he was one-on-one, where he fluffed it, essentially. (laughs) He fluffed his lines. An intelligent footballer in that moment knows what he's going to do when he gets the ball, before he gets the ball. Because the pass was wide open. He was wide open. And he knew the keeper would come out. So before he got the ball, he should have known what he was going to do. And unfortunately, I think Conor Gallagher might be one of the downfalls of Pochettino. Because playing him in that role where we have to rely on him to score, in those big moments, I just don't see it happening consistently. You brought up a good point yesterday in the pub. We were talking amongst our angst about how Chelsea is one of the few teams where we can get goal contributions from our advancing midfielders. You know, compared to like City with KDB or Bernardo Silva or even Rodri, right? Uh, Liverpool getting it. Aston Villa, uh, Douglas Luiz. Yeah, Aston Villa, Man U with Bruno. Uh, even McTominay is scoring goals for them. You Arsenal, know? Odegaard. Yeah, Odegaard's bagging goals as well. And so it's it's tough for us. We're not getting any goal contributions from our wingers. That you know We're not getting anything from our attacking midfielders. And when you're playing Caicedo and Enzo, you have two individuals that are in that double pivot who are not going to be able to in, be in that box when we're playing with this setup in the 4-4-2. That it is Conor Gallagher's job to make use of those opportunities and score goals. And he did it against Crystal Palace, fair enough. And he had the he had better opportunities in this game, I feel. Better opportunities. I think, I mean, if there was ever a game served up for us to win a cup with the injuries Liverpool was facing in that starting lineup, we both texted each other. There's no excuse not to win this game. No excuse at all not to win this game. You're looking at a team who are missing Trent Alexander-Arnold, Thiago, Joel Matip, Diego Jota, Darwin Nunez, Curtis Jones, Allison, Salah. Those are players that start for Liverpool. And they were missing all of those players, and they didn't even have him on the bench. You know, we were missing Carney. Okay, that's fine. We were missing Thiago. That's fine. Fofana, Reese James, Cucurella. But if you look at level-to-level talent, they were missing... All, all their, their best all players. Their best players. All their best that's players. the key difference. I think everyone got a little bit, and including myself, got fixated with this obsession with Liverpool's injury crisis compared to ours. However, where it is valid, as you said, is that the the number of players who start every game for them, who are crucial to how they play, you are never, ever going to get a better opportunity at playing Liverpool in a final under Klopp with those players out. With the, I mean, we weren't far off from our preferred eleven. Not far off, really. Think about it. We had Cole Palmer. We had... I mean, Raheem Sterling's played every game. Nicholas Jackson is our only striker. Caicedo, Enzo are two of our midf- £230 million midfielders. We've got De Sassi of £40 million. You know, Gusto could be challenging for right back. Ben Chilwell was our vice captain. Like, there's absolutely no excuse in that situation. But this is the point that I wanted to make about this, and I think I've talked to you about this a little bit yesterday, but this is a key point about why I wasn't lulled in completely with the with the two results against Crystal Palace and Manchester City, particularly in the Man City one, because it's an important reference point. We had no expectation to win that game. None. 
people gave us no chance. They said, we were, if we played like we did in the first half against Crystal Palace, we would get absolutely battered. The psychology was shifted for this final because we weren't favourites going into it. And I think psychologically, probably having Salah and Nunes in that team allows you to be like, okay, listen, we're massive underdogs here against, you know, two of the, and Jota, probably more importantly. They've got all these good players, you know, we've, we've got to just sit tight and try and hit them hard on the break. As soon as they held all these players come out, the mentality shifted. We slightly started to, our fans started to believe him. So we should have done because we've had injuries, but they're not on the same scale in terms of importance, in terms of our players. And this is the point about Pochettino. It's his job in that situation to motivate the players, set out a game plan and make sure they stick to it. And he didn't do it. He did not do it. We did not look, I didn't think we looked prepared for it. Uh, we had seven days to prepare. I know. And I think it's a, a bigger picture if you look at the state of Liverpool and the state of Chelsea. And you look at Jurgen Klopp. Listen, I will give him all the accolades. He's one of the top three coaches in the you know right now in, in all of football, I think. Yeah. Um, he sets up his team from the first team to the academy. They are mentality monsters. They have been in these cup finals. They know how to handle pressure. Whereas Chelsea currently are mentality mice. Mm-hmm. We, we, look, we, looked, you know, we looked scared points of that game we saw in the first half but in the in extra time he you saw Klopp on the bye when all these young players were coming in he was coaching up he was pepping up he was laughing with them and stuff like that Poch looked scared on the touchline at points of the game yesterday and attitude is a reflection on your coach and to me it just we are not set up mentally for these cup finals like from the likes of John Terry and Drogba and Frank Lampard and Peter Cech right we don't have that leadership not just on, from the touchline, but also in the squad. John Terry was there in between the, the, the both halves and the extra time. He would have lit into the team. What the fuck are we doing? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? You know, and he would have came in the press conference afterwards and said, you know what? This is not good enough. This is not Chelsea quality. This is not who we are. This is not what we're supposed to be doing in these cup finals. Six in a row. That would not happen with, the, with, the, with, with a squad like that. No, none. Our mentality as Chelsea has dropped. It's depreciated. And it's only going to get worse based on the players that we're signing because of that inexperience. You can talk about inexperience on, on you know on the pitch, but I'm talking about like mentally. You know, these you know these players outside of the few you talked about Sterling and Chilwell and Thiago or whatnot, they they just are not there yet mentally. No. And and you have to be prepared as a player by your coach. You have to get them ready. Listen, I will give some Pochettino one get out of jail card here. Was like Monopoly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Roll a double. It's been a very long 24 hours. I'm very <laughs> confused about what game we're talking about right now. You can't account for the chances that we missed. You can't. Like yeah. you could listen, whether the team was set up tactically well or not, the chances that we had should have put it to bed. However, where I will blame him is what happened in extra time. Because that is where you listen, we had all the momentum in the last few minutes. And I thought to myself, and I said to you during the game, I was like, I think we, if we keep calm, the goal is coming. Like they're out on their feet. They're yeah, out on their feet. And I saw it. I was like, you got to, even if we go into extra time, you have to keep it going. You have to, because there's no excuse. You look what have, they have on their bench. I know you can talk about average ages and stuff like that, but I'd never heard of half of the players who were on the field afterwards. And at that point, we had to hit them again. We had to. We had a little break. We had all the momentum. We'd had the seven days off. We'd made some substitutions where we would take advantage of it. 
and we sat back. And it's unforgivable. It is unforgivable. And I'll tell you why it's unforgivable. Because you're in a final. The Chelsea managers of the past who won trophies have this killer instinct and they have this bravery where you leap on those moments. And Pochettino buckled. He buckled under pressure. And that's a Spurs mentality. And that is one that I didn't... I was very hesitant to throw that around when we hired him because I thought, you know what, I think it's a logical appointment. But in those big moments, he decided to sit back. All this nonsense we're hearing in the press about, oh no, he, that's, those comments have been misconstrued. That's fucking bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Those players knew that they were on top. Why would they just sit back in extra time and invite Liverpool back into the game? It's illogical and it's wrong and it's Pochettino's fault and he should be fucking fired because of it. It's outrageous. If you look at some of the players that came on the pitch, like you said, Paylor's, uh, we had no idea. Uh, Bobby Clark, who the fuck is that? Jaden Dand, James McConnell, Jarrell Kwanzaa. I might be mispronouncing these names. These are, these are players that clearly are from their academy. But Klopp had the confidence of them coming onto the pitch. Had the confidence. And they looked up for it. They looked up for it. It's that Liverpool mentality. And it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. You because have to give them credit. You have you to have give them credit. To. Whether we hate them or not, and I do, you have to give them credit. Like, that's an identity. That's good coaching. Who, know, who tells the players exactly what they need to do, where it's drilled in in training. What the fuck does Pochettino do with our players? Run around a bit more. Run around. Hoof the ball long. I don't see any patterns. Nothing. There was no build-up out of our back four to the left side. And if there's any build-up that we had, it was always through Gusto mm-hmm. and, and Palmer and, and the midfield on that side. Chilwell looked lost, I thought, parts of the game. And I told you that. I was like, look, Bradley yeah. is just t- taking him to school on that, on that side. You know, and him and Colwell just did not have any identity on that left side. And it left our, a Sterling on an island. He, where was he in the game? He was nowhere in the it's game terrible. in the first half. This is the thing. This is what annoys me about it is the fact that all I've seen today is criticism of Mudrick. And fair enough. Fair enough he was poor. But what about Sterling? He was completely ineffective. Completely ineffective. And this free pass that certain players get when we f- obsess about criticizing some of them. Fair enough. Like, literally, like, I get it. Mudrick has been a disaster. He has been. And, like, I've drunk the Kool-Aid a little bit, seen flashes of brilliance. You cannot excuse the money that we've spent on him and say that it's been a success. It hasn't been. He hasn't progressed one iota. But there has to be some kind of level-headedness about the criticism towards some of the other players. And I want to address something, actually, while we're on talk of patterns, because this reminded me. I saw... I've seen a lot of our fans talk to me the ones who are not Pochettino out probably as strongly saying that they see progress in this team. I don't. I don't. And this is why. We rely on p- brilliance of Cole Palmer. We rely on the brilliance of certain other, other players snapping out a bit of magic from nowhere. There's very little sustained pressure and technique to our play. You look at Liverpool. All their youth players know the system that they're playing. They can all slot in because they're well coached and that's the identity of the club that Klopp has put in there. And Man City as well. They bring all these other players in and they know what they're doing. And that is an identity that comes from the coach and the culture of the club down to the players. I don't see any of that. I do not see any of that. We've won games this season. Yes, our goal record has improved. It couldn't get any worse than it was last year. It couldn't get any worse. I don't see any progress in this team. We're leaking goals for fun. We can't defend set pieces to save our lives. Our goals against is terrible. Our goals for is better. But as I said, we've got an immense quality. 
We do. Whether they're youth and like inexperienced or not, that's another thing. But they produce moments of brilliance. Cole Palmer is a Pep Guardiola schooled kid. He knows what he's doing. I don't see anything else. I, I will say though, to and I agree with you for the most part. I think in terms of the identity of this team, it's hard to have an identity when we have a fucking new coach every eight months. You know, it's hard to establish identity from the academy up when we have a rotating door of coaches coming. We in. did it previously. Yeah, but I'm I'm just talking about with the current ownership, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying it's I don't I don't think it's in itself because of the managerial changes. Well, I think it's everything else surrounding yeah, you have it. To, you have to look at everything in detail, right? Like, uh, yeah, I will fault Poch for the way he set up, especially in extra time, absolutely. But this is a symptom of a larger reality of, of Chelsea mm-hmm. right now, right? When we have a door of, of of what we've seen in Chelsea, Tuchel coming in, then he got canned. You know, Potter coming and then he got canned. Bruno paid one game and he got canned. We bring, we bring back, you know, Frank Lampard. Now we hired Pochettino. There has been a revolving door of mess at Chelsea right now. And part of it is from the old regime and part of it is with the new regime, right? The way things were done. If you look at it, who was the best player in the pitch yesterday? Van Dyke, right? Yeah. And who wanted Van Dyke? Conte. Conte. And who failed signing Van Dyke for Conte? Abramovich. Exactly. So, Mistakes have been made from both regimes, and we're paying for it now. Yeah, right. We've we this whole mentality about Chelsea going through managers. We thought it was going to change with the new ownership, but they realized they made the mistake. They went through these metrics. They're like, "Oh, we're just going to hire Graham Potter." We see the metrics. It looks it's going to look good. He's going to be our long term solution. He's going to change the whole academy approach. We're going to have identity, and then it looked like a fucking hot mess. Let's bring back Frank Lampard. Another fucking hot mess. Let's try the whole thing again with Pochettino. And now there's going to be a big inquest, right? We have a big game coming up in, in three days, and I, I don't. You and I both think we're not going to be up for it against, you know, against mm-hmm. Leeds. They're riding a high right now. the The question I have for you is: Okay, we fire Pochettino. What's the next step? As a next step, I want our sporting directors and our owners to have a plan about what's happening long term and to admit some mistakes have been made. Pochettino should have never been hired in the first place if he knew what his body of work was going to look like. This isn't new for him. And I, I, I fully admit I made a mistake on Pochettino. I don't know who the right manager is to bring in, but unfortunately I don't have any faith that we're going to bring in the right person. All I know is this is not working. And I feel that it's detrimental to the careers of our players who we've brought in who are at a very young age to continue with this because it's a real shambles. We, I think we need someone to come and steady the ship for the rest of the season and then think about a long-term appointment. But honestly, I don't know who it is. I've heard rumours today about the Sporting Lisbon coach being the next target. I think we have to ready ourselves that we might not... I think from your point last time, we might not be in the conversation for the top-tier coaches. But actually, I think I'm okay with that. Really, I am. I think I want to see progress I want to see progress. People tell me that I've seen this progress this season. On the bare bones, on the bare bones that we've scored more goals and got a f- few more points, we're still 11th in the table and we bottled a cup final. I'm not sure. I, I, I think, to me, it, I have to be, you have to bring someone in who's going to help build us an identity. This is the style of football we want to play. Get a sporting director in who is capable of understanding the, the, better than Brighton and who we have at the moment. This is the style of football we're going to play. These are the players that we're going to have to build that system. And this is the coach that gets the best out of him. And we're going to stick with it. And we're going to support him properly with the players he needs in those positions. Not just by hundreds of wonder kids. 
identity of the team because that's how it's done at the best clubs what would you do i th- i think it's this is this is the issue of chelsea of now versus chelsea of 5 years ago 10 years ago we were a club that coaches would aspire to come to even if it was just for a short term one year two year like it's been during the roman years now i don't think and i'm just speaking you know f- from outside the box perspective i don't know if chelsea is a destination where coaches want to come to because you're dealing with ownership who has no experience in terms of what they're doing. You're dealing with rampant spending that, you know, buying these kids who have no experience in the Premier League and hopefully they can put something out on the pitch. It works sometimes. It doesn't work most of the times, right? Look at the players we bought, Santos, Caste, where are they? Nowhere, yeah. you know? And then you have a fan base, an erratic fan base. We're both huge Chelsea fans. But our fan base can be toxic on both perspectives because we have been neutered in the mindset of what Chelsea should be and what it should be in the past. And we expect it to be that currently. There are fans like you and I that know that that's not what's going to happen with Chelsea with with the new ownership and everything and, and the players we have right now. So I don't think we are a team that coaches are lining up to be to coach. I really don't. I think the mindset that you have is we have to go and find one of these you know, coaches from Portugal or from, you know, Italy or, you know, from whatever who has a growing pedigree and maybe he can come in and we may make some mistakes. We may hire one or two and they fail like we've already done right now with Potter and with, um, with Potch. But at some point it's just like trying to find the new upcoming coach. And I think that that's the only thing we can look forward to. Cause I don't know if these coaches like, I don't, you know, Hansi Flick, he's not going to want to touch this fucking mess. No. Not at all. You know, Ancelotti, will he want to come back? You know, I don't think so when he leaves Madrid. Antonio Conte, maybe. Josie, maybe. But those are two coaches I really don't want. Way down. Yeah, well. yeah. So it's it's a tough gig to sell. This is not Chelsea from four years ago where Tuchel can come in and, 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 and restore us into a Champions League run. Yeah, and I think there's some very good points there about the fan base in terms of bringing them along. I think this is the key for me. For me, I fully understand. From my perspective, I think we th- our thoughts are pretty similar. For me, I understand where we are right now. The whole thing is a fucking mess. Like, a real mess. And there's fans like me who really want to believe in what we're doing. I, 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 kn- I knew there were some problems with the Abramovich regime because we hadn't challenged for the league in ages before he was forced to sell the club. Listen, that Champions League victory in 2021... It papered over a lot of cracks domestically. Absolutely. But it's the, one of the greatest moments in our history. We're not that same club anymore. I think there's a huge amount of our fans who have the same mentality that I do, who understand where we are, but need to be brought along better to what's happening. After the disaster of last season, you are asking an awful lot of the Chelsea fan base to forgive the mistakes that were made Here's an ex-Tottenham manager who was absolutely key with our identity who's now going to take this project on. The patience was going to be wafer thin. I came around to Poch needing to be sacked probably a lot later than a lot of our fans. There's a certain group of fans who were going to just pine for the days of the past, like Mourinho and Conte, Tuchel, who are obsessed with it. And which is, I find it really annoying, to be honest. I do. I feel that living in the past is not helpful for anybody. It really isn't. You have to be understanding of where we are now. I want to see progress. I want to see a style of play. I want to see players who understand what they're doing and 
have a passion for the club. That's all, really that's all I'm asking for. And if we can fight, and there's a real difference between winning, losing in a cup final where you give everything and you fight, and maybe they nick a goal at the end because you've fought all game and it's just been you've been unlucky. Yeah, like the last two cup finals. Exactly. I mean, I got over those really quickly because yeah. I was like, you know what, two goals in all. charge. Uh, the, the, we were unlucky. You, you sometimes you lose cup finals. It's a one-off game, and it just anything can happen. And then there's going out with a whimper like we did yesterday, which I think is unfucking forgivable. It's unforgivable. And I want a manager who gives the who can communicate to the fans what we're expecting to do, and not find excuse after excuse after excuse for failure because that's what Pochettino does, and I think the club t- is happy for him to do that. And that is not going to win people over. It's not. I'm not coming from this spoilt fan base. Listen, the last 20 years have been a dream for me, but I, I knew that it was going to come to an end eventually because sport is like that. To me, the Chelsea standard, what I've talked about previously, the, our standards dropping, is just going out with excuses. Excuses for failure. Oh, we've got an inexperienced young team. They, they're flaky. The manager, the manager has a load of injuries. Listen, those are reasonable positions in themselves but eventually you have to understand the best managers adapt and figure it out and Pochettino can't do that so I want to see a manager who can this is my only issue though is I don't trust the board if they sack Poch to bring in somebody that'd be a good caretaker because what happened last year we went from shit to even more you know bigger depths of shit when when we had Lampard come on you know, there was a chance last year when we had fired Graham Potter to bring in a caretaker that would do what Tuchel did and maybe have a sense of challenging in the Champions League. And we went out with a whimper when we hired Lampard. I don't trust this, these these owners to when we if, if or when we fire Potch to bring in somebody for a caretaker job for this team. I don't. I agree. And to be honest, I think the damage has already been done. So that's why I'm asking you, would you fire Potch? You just said you'd fire Potch now. Yeah, I would. I would. Because I, I feel that you could bring someone in who under, has a set way of playing. I don't think, I don't think we can. Yeah, I, okay, I, I, I don't think we can. I, I, I don't trust this ownership. I don't trust the sporting director to find well, we, a coach. We, we could, but whether they can or not. So the question is, do we just sit with it and watch it deteriorate for the rest of the season? And start again in the summer. That's that's. What I think I think I think that's a plan. I think that is a plan. That's what okay. the ownership well, is going to do. I really think that's what the ownership is going to do. They're yeah. not going to fire. If they would have fired Potts, would have fired him after the Wolves game. This is like the fucking blueprint of what Chelsea has been this year, right? Run of a few good games, do well against Tottenham, beat them four one, have a four four game against City, go international break, and get fucking throttled by Newcastle on the way back, and then get throttled at Manchester. Have a good run of games, you know, in December, beating Luton, beating Crystal Palace, you know, being, you know, Preston or whoever, you know, in, in, in the cup games, and then get absolutely throttled at Anfield and then get her ass whipped at Wolves. Another two good games in a row, right? Quote unquote good games. Aston Villa, draw in Man City. And then what happened? We just looked like a fucking pedestrian in, in extra time yesterday. Can we continue doing this this year? This blueprint is set in stone. I don't know. I don't know if my heart can take this anymore. I think we recycled all of our fucking titles for this podcast. Turning point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we've gone through the ten eight degrees of depression or whatever, or six or whatever it is. You know, I just I, I, yeah. I just don't know if I can I can handle this anymore. It's just I don't know. I talked I for listeners out there. I, I talked to Simon before we went on the air. Like 
you know, we went to a Nashville SC game last night afterwards, and that was sort of a reprieve from the mm-hmm. disappointment that we felt during the cup game. But then got home, went to bed kind of early, like around 9, 9 p.m., and literally at 2 or 3 a.m. I woke up and I just couldn't go back to bed because I was just just filled with anger and just disappointment, you know? And I feel like this is what I'm experiencing is what Arsenal fans were experiencing. You know, <laughs> Spurs, Spurs fans worse. were experiencing. One of my Spurs fans who went to the game yesterday, he's like, he's like, he's like, I can see you guys are pissed off and you guys are upset. Yeah, you lost six cup finals in a row, but you guys are going to cup finals. Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. This is this is what Chelsea's about. This is this is you know what the manifestation of Chelsea is. And it's it's just being fumbled. And I think that's a good point actually. I think that we have had such a radical change in mindset. Tottenham, honestly, you've had decades and decades of disappointment, so you just get used to it. We've gone from being champions of the world and champions of Europe two years ago to this. And like, I probably overreacted yesterday in some level and got very angry. Too fucking right I did. Because how on earth can you go from just so much, so many highs down to that without any kind of reaction? Any kind of reaction at all. And like, it's, it's still fresh in my memory, those victories. So watching this is even more uncomfortable. And if you don't react badly to it, I, I don't. I, I don't think you're human. Honestly, I don't think you're human because it's such. It's one extreme to the other. It's completely one extreme to the other. And I just Chelsea means so much to me. It means so much to me. Both of us. And like it hurts. It hurts watching this. It feels like like gnawing away of the club, like just chiseling it down, and. This is the thing now. I think you actually you made a good point, which made me might may have made me change my mindset about sacking him now. What's the point? What's the point now? The time to do it was before the cup final, because I didn't have confidence in him that he was going to be able to win that game. We needed to bring someone in who could just win a one-off game. Conte, Mourinho, they sure I'm sure they would have come in for a, a glorious moment. Now, what's the point? We're, we're not going to get relegated. The season's over. We're not going to win the FA Cup because there's too many good teams in it and Pochettino will bottle it in the final. So what's the point? What's the, there's no point. And the owners, the only reason why the owners will do it and the sporting directors is to save face. Be like, he's to blame, not us. That's the only reason, which is not fair. It's not all Pochettino's fault. He's been... Listen, I don't think he's a capable manager, but he's also been dealt with shit hand. God, it's fucking depressing. It's really fucking depressing. Well, that brings us to my next question to you. We got a big FA Cup coming on Wednesday against Leeds. Who will score against us, Ethan Ampadu or Patrick Bamford? Which Chelsea, which former Chelsea player will be scoring against us this game? Well, interestingly enough, I read today that Leeds are in a bit of an injury crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, perfect, <laughs> exactly. So expectation. Um, oh. At it's going to be a tricky game. I don't think people like listen. They they are flying high in le- in the what, championship. I think they would win like eleven of the last twelve games or yeah, something. Yeah, and like they that. came from behind to beat Leicester on Friday, yeah. which is not easy. Um, Leicester's like the best team in the championship right now. And listen, our players are going to be down in the dumps, and they just played 120 minutes against Liverpool. Our midfield. Who's going to start in our midfield? We don't have any midfielders. Yeah, and I don't even know if Cassidy can play because I think he's you know he's no, cup tied. No, right? he was cup tied in the in the Carabao, but he can still play in the FA. Actually, I don't think he can. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Because like who's gonna? Because Enzo and Caicedo both played a full one twenty. 
I mean, Gallagher, maybe he, he, he was maybe, brought off. Maybe he was brought off for the, <laughs> to rest him for the Leeds game. The Leeds game, yeah. No, I would expect this game, and Kunku has to start. He has to start, given that you know he played, but me what, 30 plus 20 minutes in, in the last I game. I want to see Kunku and Jackson. Uh, he has to start. Fuck, to be honest. Yeah, I Just think wheel Nani, any of them out there. Nani will have to start as well, uh, since he didn't play you know full 90. I think Cole Palmer will probably come in at half. Maybe he'll play, who knows. Um, I don't know if Mudrick or Sterling will play. They both were, you know, on, on the pitch for 60-odd minutes um, yesterday. Um, I think you can expect Asase Kowal to start again. I think, you know, I, I do want to say this before we kind of go into the whole Leeds game. I want to just say, even though how bad we were in terms of set up in the extra time, I want to give big props out to a couple players. Petrovic, I mm, mean, he was fucking Im- immense, immense. Uh, Kaiseido. Mm-hmm. Worth, you know, I mean, he showed you what the talent level and what what is going to be a consistently Caicedo in the next two three years, right? He's still young, but he was immense yesterday. And even though he had a couple missed passes, I thought Malagusto, he was the only one that was creating something on that right side. Him and him and Cole Palmer. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the talent was there for, at points of the game yesterday, and I think you can't fault a few players on the pitch because I think they did give it their all. You know, for the time that they were out there, it's just fucking mistakes, man marking. You know, uh, something you 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 fucking teach, you know, in the training ground how to fucking set up for set pieces. And you know, this one guy, this one guy is probably the best player in the all the Premier League in terms of scoring from a set piece position. You have to fucking put your tallest player on him. And he did it earlier in the yeah. game, and they got yeah. away with it. Yeah. So what's the lesson there? <sighs> Don't let Mudrick mark him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a long evening on Wednesday, actually. I think it's Leeds hate us. Yeah, and this is a... They're going to be up for it. And they're like, this This is the best case scenario for Leeds. You see a Chelsea team play 120 minutes. You see them, you know, heartbreak defeat, you know, in extra time. And we're not mentality monsters. We're mentality mice, as I said before. Uh, you have a team that's... I mean, they played, what, on Friday? So two days earlier, you know, us playing on Sunday. Uh, they're going to be more rested than we are. I mean, you know, the bridge, will it be hostile or would it be subdued? Because will there be a hangover from all the fans from the disappointment of what they felt on Sunday? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to expect a win, a draw, or a loss. Maybe a draw will do good. You know, maybe a draw will get this team squared up to go back uh, away at Leeds and maybe win the game there. Who knows? Sunday was such a crippling disappointment that I couldn't even really care on Wednesday. This is where I'm at. I, my... And I will be up for it because it's Leeds and I hate Leeds and Chelsea hate Leeds. Such a disappointment on Sunday that I, I my, all my, any faith that was remained in my, the tiny amount of faith that I had remaining left in my body with this, this team at the moment has evaporated and I'm just preparing myself for the worst. I'm not, I'm not going to, as I mentioned, I'm not going to get sucked in any to any good performances. If we beat Leeds on Wednesday, good, we should beat them. They're in the division below us. I want to finish the pod on this thought, actually. I went to the Carabao, the equivalent of the Carabao Cup final in 2008 when we played Tottenham and we lost 2-1. This was Tottenham's last major trophy and I was there. Maybe I'm the good luck charm. It was miserable. Me and my dad were just the the height of depression coming out of that game. We left before the end because we were just... Like yesterday, I left the bar early because I was like, as soon as the Van Dijk goal went in, I was like, it's over, done when that goal happened against us in that final, I felt the same as well. The difference is the players we had on that pitch that, that day were Didier Drogba, Petr Cech, John Terry, Ashley Cole, Frank Lampard, Michael Ballack. The difference is at the moment we've got players on our team like Raheem Sterling. You can have an off day like that team did in 2008. 
this is the standard for this team, unfortunately, what we experienced yesterday. And it's one of my lowest ever days as a Chelsea supporter. And I, I know a lot of other people feel that way as well. And I'm sorry, this is just the way it is at the moment. And we have to stick together. There's been some infighting in our fan base over the debates about it. And I don't think it's productive. Listen, we can have differences of opinion. That's fine. But we need to stay on side together. We can't insult people for having different opinions. But maybe that's our coping mechanism right in the middle. And... God, it's Leeds on Wednesday. I don't know how we're going to face it if we lose. <laughs> Shit. Well, that brings us to the end of this very gloomy episode, episode 53. Again, we want to thank all of our listeners who tune in every single week to listen to Simon and I rant. Without your support, we wouldn't be able to be doing this on a weekly basis. Yeah, please do follow us on all our social media accounts. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. That's C-A-T-W Podcast. And if you do have a, an email for us, please send it to podcastcatw at gmail.com. We are building up to our fan fest in April. It's going to be better than this. I promise you in terms of spirits, we will be happier. I promise. And we have a lot planned for that Friday night and we want to party with all of you guys and drink beer with all of you and celebrate you know, special memories of Chelsea and new memories and new friendships from that event. And I think we're both looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll be definitely, we'll be there saying hello and meeting and greeting everyone. So please do keep an eye out for the for the NBC registration for the FanFest and keep an eye on our social media. We'll be promoting the events. I would say keep the faith, but I think that's insulting to everybody right now. But let's stick together. Up the Chelsea.